Support for the Most Accurate Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They're the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TMAP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code TMAP. And welcome back to 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stolter. As always, I'm joined by John Paulson. How are you doing today, JP? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, before we get into today's article, uh, your, your article, which I know that you've put together each and every year, uh, the 2020 Draft Day Strategery article that uh, is so aptly named, um, tell us about the music. Yeah, this is a band I, I really like, Judah and the Lion. This is one of the bands on the short list of bands that I haven't seen yet that I'd like to see live once we're back uh, having concerts and congregating in crowds. Uh, the name of the track is Beautiful Anyway. They just released it, uh, looks like May 15th. Um, they've got a number of really, they've got a number of good songs, like Take It All Back and Suit and Jacket and Why Did You Run and um just a lot of good they did a cover of uh i won't back down by tom petty so check them out on spotify i'll, I'll add it to the most accurate podcast playlist uh which you can uh, find on spotify uh or in the uh, show notes um for the podcast uh you turned me on to the song take it all back which i which i enjoy it's a good, That's a one. good one yeah, yeah. All right, make sure you check out John's Wednesday podcast with Matt Harmon. The two did a deep dive into the wide receiver position. They talk breakouts, sleepers, players to avoid. John, give us a little bit of a tease. Don't want to give away everything, but give us a little tease there. Well, Matt does the reception perception. Uh, so he charts the top 50 or so receivers and just really has a handle on everybody's route running and um, how it affects their fantasy performance. And I found it to be super useful in, in identifying breakouts. I mean, we know who the top route runners are and they're the, you know, the top fancy receivers in the, in the league for the most part. But then every once in a while, there'll be a younger player that shows up, you know, the top 15, top 20. And this year there's quite a few young players that show up in the top half of his uh, sample. So there's a number of breakout uh, players to talk about and some sleepers to talk about. And we definitely have a few players to avoid as well. All right, a little bit more housekeeping before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's podcast. There's just a few days left to enter 444's big giveaway. We're giving away an entry to FFPC's main event. It's a $1,900 value along with eight signed NFL jerseys. We're talking about Deshaun Watson, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, DK Metcalf, and Kenny Galladay. We're also giving away a twenty. We're also giving away twenty-five comfy four for four T-shirts. And when I say comfy, I really mean it. Uh, they're awesome. I wear the four for four T-shirts all the time. The giveaway is sponsored by four for four FFPC and Pristine Auction. And there are multiple ways to enter. Details you can find at bit.ly bitly backslash four for four give. So bitly backslash 444give. You can also find the giveaway on John's Twitter feed at 444 underscore John. 
Today we're going to cover some of the news and then discuss John's Draft Day Strategery article that I mentioned before. That dropped yesterday, so you want to make sure you have a subscription to 4 for 4. Now's the time to jump on it, and you can find John's Draft Day Strategery article, but we will discuss some of the elements today on the podcast. John, the opt-out deadline was surprisingly quiet. I actually got thrown off by, uh, I know that, who is it? Is it Emily that does our COVID-19 update tracker? Oh, it's Jenny. Jenny, Jenny, thanks. Sorry. So Jenny does an excellent job. I actually got, when I went to her article last week to check out the names on the list, see if I meant, I missed anybody. I actually was going through the reserve COVID-19 list and I saw Matthew Stafford (laughs) and I saw Kenny Galladay. I'm like, oh my God, the line's going to be able to field the team. But I quickly realized that that wasn't the opt-out list. Anybody really stand out to you from a fantasy standpoint on on who opted out? I mean, we know we got a lot of Patriots opting out, but from a fantasy standpoint, it seems to be pretty quiet. Well, if you remember, we were worried about recording uh, ahead of the opt-out deadline because we thought it was going to be crazy. We were um, in our Slack, uh, our, our company Slack, we were talking about like bracing for the news, and then nothing happened. Uh, everybody... <laughs> Everybody of note had opted out already. Uh, you know, I think the big one was Damian Williams because that opened up um, the, the job for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Right. Um, and then, the, you know, all the, the stuff going on with the Patriots, trying to figure out what they're doing because they've got a number of guys that decided to opt out. And, uh, you know, you, you got to wonder, is Bill Belichick up to something? Is he just, like, uh, tanking the season so that he can have more cap space next year or something like that? I mean, it wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, probably. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, but we're uh, you know we're, we're we're pretty much caught up. Uh, we everything's kind of baked into the rankings now, and um, uh, yeah, we we it was it was nice to have a a quiet opt out deadline after expecting kind of chaos. But the I think the key thing to remember is that players can, I believe they can opt out anytime they want. Um, they just the deadline was for them to get some financial assistance at the start, uh, get 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 money ahead of time. Uh, as part of their contract, um, and, but if they opt out now, they can still, you know, miss the season if they if they choose to do so. That so that might happen, especially if things get worse on the ground as far as the COVID um, uh, number of uh, infections and the the percentage uh, infected uh, rises, and or if there's any hot spots within any teams. But so far, so good. John, I wanted to ask you too because I know you're probably you're probably getting a little bit of this as well, both personally and professionally. But should fantasy owners, and really we're talking about commissioners, should fantasy commissioners be doing anything special this season to prepare for late scratches due to positive COVID tests? It's been something that I think people are going to discuss, and I, I wonder how this is going to impact fantasy leagues as a whole. But for those leagues they're going to push forward what's your advice for fantasy commissioners well if you notice nba um nhl uh they've been they bubbled um and they they've done a very good job of not having covid really you know affect their rest of play for their league um nfl is not technically bubbling up although certain teams are trying to bubble within themselves but they're going to be testing, you know, Sunday mornings, um, and we may have some late game scratches because somebody shows up to stadium, gets tested, and uh, is you know tested positive and uh, has to miss the game. And you know, it's prepare for the worst, hope for the best. I think, and you know, I, I floated it on Twitter and I said I think leagues should be adding roster spots 
proactively to give owners more options um, on game day if if somebody were to were to opt out or not opt out but were to be um, out scratch late scratch because of the COVID uh, positive COVID test. So you know people kind of push back and said, well, you should give them. Uh, IR spots. And I agree with that. If you have a, you know, each league is and each league hosting site is different. And I found that with IR spots, you owners tend to play games with it and, you know, players that shouldn't be on IR are on there. And, um, but there are, there are sites that handle that differently where you, if you have somebody that's not uh, eligible for IR, you can't do any other roster moves until you take them out of there. Um, so if that works for you, that's fine. Um, I th- I think just having bigger rosters allows for more, um, uh, flexibility uh, on game day. I also flow the idea of, or somebody flow the idea to me of, um, you know, just doing best ball for uh, this season only. And I actually like that idea, but it just is in preparation for the worst. Like you could have four or five guys from a team that are positive. They've all been hanging out together, whatever. And suddenly, you know, the top, the whole half the offense is out for a game. Um, how's that going to go over? So, uh, we, we, we've talked about it in our league, Anthony. I don't know if you have an opinion on it, but we, I guess we're going to go with uh, if, if there is a late scratch uh, in one of the late games, that owner can uh, swap a best ball play uh, into their lineup if they don't decide to, to play a different player from their bench. And then uh, to make it fair, the other owner can also uh, swap one of his players for best ball play. Um, so... I think that's what we're going to go with right now, and that seemed like the, the thing that everybody in the league uh, was was happy with. But I think each league needs to talk about this and should prepare at least have the conversation so that um, the people that are wrong at the end of the year know that they're wrong. You know, <laughs> no bitterness there. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, you asked for you asked for what I, you know what I thought of it. I, I think that trying to get as close as you can to what DFS is doing, it the better. So you mentioned kind of a late swap. That's what DFS does. So if you're if you're playing FanDuel or DraftKings or Yahoo, uh, for me I, I play FanDuel and I do I do fantasy baseball as well. And sometimes there's a late scratch, obviously from a pitcher. But like yesterday, Kyle Schwarber was a late scratch. Having that ability to do a late swap, even though games have started, is huge. Uh, I know sometimes what you have a, a bigger slate. West Coast games are going off, and I'm sorry, East Coast games have already started. West Coast games, you get the lineup and one of your guys is out and, and your lineup is, in, is, is is impacted. You want to have that late swap. So I know that a lot of the DFS sites offer that, and I think drawing as close as possible to DFS is, is probably good for your league-long leagues as well. Yeah, and normally normally if there's an injury or something, it's like that's part of it. Um, but we know during the week that that player has some injury. It's right. very rare that somebody gets injured in, in the pregame. It happens sometimes with warm-ups where a guy gets injured and can't play, but that's very rare. I mean, maybe two or three times a year as far as fantasy-relevant players. So, um, yeah, I think we're, we're just going to be able to swap in a player from the bench or, um, you know, that hasn't played or a player that has already played and, you know, has a good score, and then the other owner could do the same thing to make it fair. Let's jump into some of the news. Let's start in Atlanta with my team where it sounds like the Falcons are going to limit Todd Gurley to rest his knee. Apparently, Johnny's already walking with a noticeable limp, though he showed speed and explosion during drills. Um, I'm going to go on record to say I I didn't really like the signing. I don't love that they don't have a great backup plan. 
it seemed like Todd Gurley, who who I like, I root for. I covered him in Atlanta. He's or I'm sorry, in St. Louis when the Rams were still here. Very likable kid, and you know it, it sucks that his knee has been such a sore issue dating back to his days at Georgia. But I, I just I don't think the Falcons are set up for success here. Nevertheless, does this impact your ranking of Gurley in your in your rankings? Um. I don't know how to handle this news. I, I see a lot of doom and gloom on Twitter. Uh, you look at what he did last year, and it wasn't a normal Todd Gurley season. He still had 12 touchdowns as a runner and two as a receiver, and I think that the Falcons are going to use him. Um, like they signed him for, for a one, to a one-year deal. They're not going to protect him other than perhaps for the playoffs, um, but they're going to need him to get to the playoffs, I think. Absolutely. Uh, you know, 3.8 yards per carry last year, just not great. But, the, I mean, the, part of that was the Rams' offensive line had just been decimated. Not decimated, but it took a big step back from 2018. Um, so, I don't know that it was all his fault. The film that I watched of him from last year, he looked fine. He's still just 26 years old. I, like, a, a limp during the preseason uh, workout or walkthrough, maybe he's just walking like that. I don't know. But he's, they said that he looked explosive in, in drills and everything. So this is the issue, though. I think, you know, looking, and we'll get into the running back draft plan or draft strategy, is that these third-round running backs, there are definitely a few that I like and there are situations that I like, but there's just question marks surrounding all of them. And that's why I want to try to get two, two running backs early this year. Chris Carson is away from practice due to a death in the family and Rashad Penny is on PUP following a, following knee surgery. Carlos Hyde, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas are holding down the fort at running back. When he signed, Carlos Hyde said that he was coming in to compete for the number two role in the backfield. How do you how do you size things up right now in Seattle? Well, you know, Pete Carroll never really tells the truth. He's always super optimistic about injuries, but he said that Carson had nothing to do with his you know injury to his hip or anything he just had some stuff to take care of and it was a little ways off before he'd be back but it was not a, a, a in terms of his playing time or expected role in week one like anything that would affect that so um i think that uh Car- carson is one of my favorite players uh as far as the cheaper running back options and i talked about those the third round guys um i think he's going later than he should he he just does really well with all the uh, advanced metrics in terms of being a good runner and this is a, a t- tends to be a run heavy offense so i you know if i can't get to the top uh, 14 or so running backs and i'm, I'm looking for a th- third carson is one of the top guys that you know i'm looking to add in the third or fourth round and i see i've seen him fall into the fourth round fairly uh, regularly so he's a good option at that point in the draft the patriots signed lamar miller sony michelle is struggling with a foot injury right now brandon bolden opted out this Patriots backfield is always a source of frustration for fantasy owners. Michelle is the most talented back, but as we noted, he's dealing with a foot injury. How does this backfield shake out? Well, I think James White's role stays the same. He's probably the most valuable, especially in PPR formats. He should catch a lot of passes uh, again this year. As far as the, who's going to be the first, second down guy, the primary runner, um, Michelle was going to be that guy, but it looks like he's going to start on Pup. Um, Brandon Bold is not there to really muck up, muck it up, but they added Lamar Miller to do that muck up role. Uh, I, you know, Damien, there's some Damien Harris fans out there. I, you know, he played behind Rex Burkhead last year. I would have, I was picking up a few 
uh, shares of Burkhead very, very late in drafts uh, recently, uh, thinking that he might end up being the starter with uh, James White in the in the third down role. Uh, they do like Burkhead. He's familiar with the system. Um, you know, they probably want as much continuity as they can with a new quarterback there. So um, I I kind of think that we'll see Burkhead to start. And uh, with with White, and then you know Burkhead has trouble staying healthy, and that's why Miller is there for depth, and then Damian Harris uh, in the mix. Uh, you know, maybe I don't know which if it'll be Miller or Harris as the number two, but that's sort of how I see the, the backfield right now. Switching gears to Oakland now or Las Vegas, actually, Las the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs says his goal is to catch sixty passes this season. He only had twenty last season, so how realistic is it, John, that he adds another forty receptions to the total he posted a year ago? I I don't think it's realistic. I think he's capable of it. I think that I mean I have him at twenty eight, twenty nine receptions now, and that boosts his value. I mean, if he gets to have this sort of role in the, as a receiver, then he's going to you know be threatening to finish in the top five because that was what his it was limit the limiting factor last year was his role in the passing game. But um, you know they have Lynn Bowden, they drafted him. They they have Jalen Richard, who's one of the better uh, pass catching backs in the league. So they're they're going to have to make a concerted effort to get him catches if they or just leave him on the field. Uh, and that's not what they did last year. They did they did. Uh, insinuate that he was going to have a larger role as a receiver but that could mean anything that could mean 28 catches 35 catches 40 catches 50 catches um it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get to where he's a the primary pass catching back for the team frank Reich, the head coach of the colts said that marlon mack is the starter but implied it would be a quote week in and week out hot hand as far as jonathan taylor the rookie goes you've been a marlon mack truther john did what how do you think this Indianapolis Colts backfield shakes out from a fantasy perspective? Well, I was a Marlon Mack truther until they drafted Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. I mean, this the writing's on the wall here. They didn't. Um, I mean, they didn't draft Jonathan Taylor to play behind Marlon Mack. Uh, they they keep saying this. Um, that they said that they're gonna. They need more than one guy, and Mack is a pro, and you know, like he is the starter. And I don't know how long it's gonna last. Um, there's a reason that Taylor is going in the fourth round and Mac is going eighth, ninth round. I think the fantasy community knows what's up here. It just may not happen in September. Um, it's a good offensive line. It's a good offensive system. Uh, Whoever is the starter should be productive. And if, if they're really splitting the, the work, it's going to limit both guys. And Taylor is going to be overdrafted in that respect. But it sounds like he's, you know, giving Mac the veteran nod and, uh, you know, keeping Taylor hungry and not you know giving him the job without having him go out and win it so i think that's what's going on right now and without the the preseason uh game reps uh it, it might take the month of september for taylor to win the job we're going to discuss john's draft day strategy article but first a word from our sponsor Hey guys, if you're tired of taking a straight razor to your beanbag and having it look like a scene out of a horror show, listen up. Manscaped has you covered. They're the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They just redesigned their electric trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 3.0, and the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months on this bad boy. They've perfected it. Trust me, I've used it. 
Nice, close, comfortable shave. The thing even has an LED light. It illuminates the grooming area so you can see what you're doing. We've all been there before. We're trying to clean things up a little bit, and it winds up being a bit of a disaster because, again, you're dealing with a straight razor to the old Huevos Rancheros. You know what I mean? So stop with the dangerous weapons on your family jewels and try Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TMAP at Manscaped.com. Again, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TMAP. Check out the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. All right, John, your annual draft day strategy article dropped yesterday, and I thought we could go position by position so listeners have an idea of how you're approaching your drafts this year. But I do recommend everybody subscribe to 444.com if you're not already. This is is a great article that John has posted, and it is – you know, part of our subscription-based process. So while we do want to offer listeners to our podcast an idea of, of what John's doing from the article, I do want to want you to check out everything. But let's let's start off with just kind of first and foremost how you're approaching your drafts this year. Do you want to start off with just your general quarterback strategy? Uh, yeah, let's just talk. We'll talk quarterback um, to start. I mean, I, I'll I'll just say it. At the, at the get-go that I'm looking to get two of the top 14 running backs. I'm talking about McCaffrey, Zeke, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Mixon, Drake, Chubb, uh, Jacobs, Eckler, Aaron Jones, and Miles Sanders. Like those guys, we have a good understanding of their health, which they're all healthy, and we have a good understanding of what their workload's going to be like. Uh, and then you get after you get out of that group, and you start to have some question marks, some serious health question marks, as I mentioned with Gurley, a little bit with Carson. James Conner has been banged up. David Johnson has been uh, declining uh, as far as the workload between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. That's kind of questionable. Leonard Fournette uh, with Chris Thompson in the fold. I don't think his catches are going to be there this year, and they look like they were trying to trade him. Prior to the to the draft, uh, Le'Veon Bell for the Jets. They added Frank Gore, who's going to you know get in to his workload. Jonathan Taylor splitting work with not even starting at the start of the season. So that if you see what I'm saying, there's there's just like a drop off in trustworthiness, and I want two of those top 14. You can't always get them, uh, so I'll just say that at the start. So I'm starting running back, running back if I can. Quarterback, uh, I'm a little more. In, a little more inclined to take Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson in the third or fourth round if they're on the, if they're on the the board because of what's going on with these third round running backs. Uh, I'm just not crazy about them. Uh, maybe I'd rather have maybe Mark Ingram in the fifth round uh, or Raheem Mostert or somebody in the fifth round. So maybe I do take uh, the advantage with Mahomes or Jackson in, in the third. Uh, I think it's the similar with receiver. There's just a drop off. Or there's not a drop-off, but there's a third-round receivers. There's only one or two that I like, and I can get guys that I think are better in the fourth or fifth round. So I am a little bit more willing this year to take a stud quarterback. You know, it goes against my weight on quarterback philosophy. Um, but my my first option, I think, at quarterback is to to, to do a Drew Brees committee. He's he's cheap or this cheaper this year, and he's you know you can pair him with somebody, avoid his bad road matchups and get really good production at home and in his favorable road matchups. 
I uh, wrote an article about it called the Drew Brees Committee or um, why a Drew's, Drew Brees Committee will work this year. So check that out. Uh, that doesn't always work. Uh, if you if you wait on Brees and he gets plucked, then you end up trying to figure out who to draft. Um, so there are times when in the sixth or seventh round of somebody like uh, that, that second group, uh, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, uh, or Josh Allen are available. Uh, I'll pull the trigger on them. They give you good rushing upside. TJ Hernandez uh, wrote an article called uh, Josh Allen can be the next year, can be this year's Lamar Jackson, uh, where he really breaks it down as to what Josh Allen's upside is this year. So I appreciate his upside and maybe we'll take him at the end of that tier. Um, and then, uh, you know, you can do a late round committee. Uh, I do think Ryan Tannehill was not a flash in the pan last year. I mean, I don't expect top five numbers from him. Um, but even if he regresses, I still think he has top 10 upside. Uh, and he's going off the board in the QB 18, QB 20 range right now. So it's a nice uh, discount, I think, there. Uh, he does have a couple of touch matchups early in the season uh, against the Steelers and the Bills. But you can... Uh, find another quarterback to pair him with to avoid those matchups. Uh, and then finally, the last option is to stream the position. And that's actually not hard to do there. I give, I list uh, seven options uh, of quarterbacks that are going fairly late that have good opening um, schedules. One that really jumps out is Gardner Minshew, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Miami, Cincinnati, Houston, and Detroit. And he, you know, he was a high-end QB2 in his starts last year. I remember he had a couple of games where he played partial snaps. Um, but in his starts, he uh, he was a high-end QB2. And, you know, he's got a little bit of running ability as well. Um, so I think there's lots of options at the quarterback position, depending on, you know, what you want to do at the other positions. And I think you could pretty much uh, approach it anyway and get and be able to get good pr- production out of the quarterback position. John, you mentioned your running back strategy, and just to reiterate, you're going to hit running back early this year. You're looking at the top guys, so let's let's build off of that. And I want to ask you about wide receivers. If you're targeting running backs early, you're unlikely then to get a lot of shares of Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill. You mentioned this in your article. You're, you're likely not going to land those guys unless you're playing in a league and you know people are either too risky or they're not paying attention right so if you're landing those top running backs but your wide receivers now are flying off the board what is your draft day strategy when it comes to wide receivers well there's so much depth this year uh at receiver that you even into the sixth seventh eighth and even ninth round because you can get marvin jones uh, in the ninth round, he was performing in a top 20 level prior to his injury last year um, and has been productive throughout his career. You can get him in the ninth round, and there's just tons of receivers that are intriguing, and we talk about it, uh, Matt and I talk about it in the other podcasts, is just these all these guys going, you know, later, like Anthony Miller and Mike Williams and these intriguing players that are going 10th, 11th, 12th. Curtis Samuel, you know, 12th, 13th round, these upside guys that maybe you can't trust week one, but they are good receivers that are in good situations. And if they uh, are able to produce, like for instance, Mike Williams be able to produce with Tyrod Taylor, Curtis Samuel, maybe his role isn't reduced as much as people think with Robbie Anderson coming, you know, they're still the number two receivers on those teams. You know, now you have, you know, a starter that you can use there. 
uh, from that double-digit round pick. So the, what I'm getting at is that the depth here at the receiver position, there's so many guys that you could literally, and I have, start the, start the draft, running back, running back, quarterback, tight end, and starting to draft receivers in the fifth round, you know, draft five or so straight receivers, four or five straight receivers, and you've got a nice receiving core. You might have um, DJ Chark, Stefan Diggs, Jarvis Landry, and AJ Green. I mean, that's feasible. Uh, so it's just when I, when I started ranking the receiver position, it just goes on and on and on. And then you have all these rookies, right, that are joining teams and have may have big roles. And then you have all the post-type sleepers kind of being drafted around them, like um, Mike Williams and, and Curtis Samuel. And so it's just a super deep position. So you can, it gives you, it gives owners a lot of flexibility. You know, I like, I, I like Michael Thomas. I like Devonte Adams, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill. They're all fantastic receivers. Chris Godwin. Um, I think they're all super trustworthy. Um, but if you draft one of them, you're passing on the certainty at running back. Uh, you're drafting on that, that workload that you want. I think the one player that I might, target in the third round running back it's, is Chris Carson. I mean, I really like him. I think he's a good, really good player. Uh, Rashad Penny out. I think Carlos Hyde is just going to be a pure backup there. So you could start wide receiver, running back, running back, and target Chris Carson in the third round. But you, again, you have a little bit of injury risk with his hip and what's going on in there in Seattle. You always draft, usually, not always, you usually draft tight ends early, John. And I know the tight end, this this is the position that gives people the most trouble. If they don't wind up getting one of the top three guys, then it, it, it becomes a, you know, kind of a Rubik's Cube to figure out the, the next Austin Hooper from a year ago. So, mm-hmm. you like I said, you usually draft a tight end early. Is that the case again this year? I have. Uh, certainly in the FFPC where you get uh, tight end premium, uh, 1.5 PPR. I have drafted a lot of Kelsey and Kittle uh, in the first round, and Mark Andrews in the third, uh, Darren Waller in the fifth. Uh, in my regular PPR leagues, I'm you know I'm inclined to pass on Kelsey and Kittle if one of those top four 14 running backs are there. But if you're sitting there in the late second round, and you know Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones just went, and you don't have a, a shot at one of those top 14 running backs that I mentioned. And uh, you know Kelsey or Kittle are sitting there, then that that's a good pick, I think. Um, you, you're zagging, you're taking the value uh, when everybody else is going running back, and then you got to find your RB two uh, later on in the draft. Maybe it's Carson, maybe it's somebody from the fourth or fifth round. Um, so, yes, you can make it happen. I don't think I would in a regular PPR league. I don't think I would take uh, Kelsey or Kittle ahead of one of those top fourteen running backs because I think the the certainty that you're getting with those guys, or the relative certainty you're getting with those guys is too valuable. Uh, Mark Andrews I like a lot. It sounds like he's not worried. There, there, was, there was definitely a little lull there where I wasn't drafting as much because he has diabetes and there was some concern that he would opt out, but it sounds like he never really considered it. Uh, and he's going to play. He's an up-and-coming tight end. You know, Hayden Hurst left, so probably more snaps, more routes for Andrews. Highly productive. So he's my third, third guy. I think Zach Ertz is solid. Um, I think his targets are under pressure a little bit, but he's solid in the fourth round. Uh, Darren Waller, uh, he's going to regress a little bit because of all the other passing uh, options there in in, uh, Las Vegas. I almost said Oakland. Uh, But he's still going to be either the top – he's probably going to be the top target 
in that passing game, I, I would I would wager. So I, I still I'm getting Waller quite a bit in the fifth round if he if he slips. The difference about this year compared to other seasons is that there's just a number of appealing options in the later rounds. We you know we talked about Hayden Hurst going to Atlanta. You know, Austin Hooper signed elsewhere. They immediately traded for Hurst. I think he steps right into that role and does a good job. His yards per route run at, at PFF were really good, really solid. He's been productive when he played. He just was stuck behind uh, Mark Andrews in, in Baltimore. Um, Jared Cook, who we, you know, are obligated to talk to you about on every podcast. <laughs> he, he was, an, I mean, he was the number, number one fantasy tight end from week 10 on when both he and Drew Brees were healthy. Uh, you know, he had a, a couple injuries like he typically does early in the season. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in, left, and he really started producing with Drew Brees. And that's, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is in there. So that's going to put his targets under pressure a little bit. But I think, you know, Michael Thomas is going to is going to give up a few tar- targets as well. So I think Cook's a good option, although, he, you know, he's slipping into the ninth to tenth round now. But then you get into the breakout guys like Blake Jarwin, Johnu Smith, uh, Mike Kosicki, uh, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Dallas Goddard already broke out, uh, saved with Hooper, but Eric Ebron going to Pittsburgh and becoming uh, likely becoming Ben Roethlisberger's primary red zone target. Uh, Noah Fant, Denver, you know, highly athletic, uh, big air yard guy. Uh, and then Ian Thomas, who had performed at a, a tight end one level whenever Greg Olson was out. And then you have the boring veteran, uh, who I'm, you know, I end up with sometimes is Jack Doyle. I mean, he should be at lots of targets from Philip Rivers, who loves to throw to his tight ends. So, what I'm getting at is that there's a ton of options at the tight end position later in the draft. So, if you don't get, if you don't want to target an early one, or you don't, you miss out on these first five guys, I usually wait. You know, I let the Hunter Henry and the Tyler Higby go off the board in the sixth, seventh round, and I'm waiting maybe for Hurst in the eighth, ninth round, or Jarwin in the tenth, or Jonu Smith in the tenth. Um, you know, my favorites are, Jar- uh, are Jarwin and Jonu Smith of that group of breakouts. But you know, Mike Kosicki and Hawkinson and Goddard and Go- those guys are usually going ahead of Jarwin and Jonu Smith. So you can wait quite a while and maybe draft both. You know, back to back in the tenth and eleventh round or ninth and tenth round. And then, you know, you're just hoping for one of them to break out and become a, a consistent starter for you. Again, we're talking about John's draft day strategery article at 444.com. And at the end of the article, you have a table where you give round-by-round targets at each position. I think this is a great way for readers to sketch out a draft plan for themselves. I have used this, uh, I don't know if you've done this, a, a version of this in the past, or I've just done my own version, John, but I've found this to be great. Uh, just just a, an overall outlay, and it gives you a chance when you're going into your draft just to have kind of a foundation. I, I really like that you did that. Yeah, I think it vi- helps you visualize what, what's available and what's round, and then you can say, okay, I'm going to hit a, you know, I'm going to hit a tight end in the second round, and I'm going to go to switch to receiver from four through six, and then, you know, look at my quarterback in seven, and um, I think that you could kind of construct a, a roster in a way that suits you um, and also at the same time see, you know, who I'm targeting in my draft and, okay, here's here's what a Paulson draft would look like if I do this. Um, you, don't, you don't have to go that route. Like I, I'm not one of these uh, fantasy analysts that says you have to draft this way, um, zero RB or robust RB or whatever. I'm saying that for me this year, and I look at it every year, uh, where is the positional strength? Where is the depth? And that's how I'm going to build my foundation. And this year, it's I'm starting running back, running back if I can, 
and then hitting wide receivers in the middle rounds. And then quarterback and tight end can is versatile enough uh, where you can pretty much do anything with it and get a pretty good production, I think, out of it. So that's how I'm approaching it this year. All right, John, great stuff as always from JP. Don't forget to review and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget about our 4 for 4 giveaway as well that I mentioned at the start of the show. It's, there's just a few days left to enter that 4 for 4 big giveaway. We're giving away an entry to FFPC's main event, a $1,900 value, along with eight signed NFL jerseys to Sean Watson, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, DK Metcalf, and Kenny Galladay. We're also giving away 25 comfortable 4 for 4 t-shirts, and the giveaway is all sponsored by 4 for 4 FFPC and Pristine Auction. There's multiple ways to enter. You can find details at bit.ly backslash 4 for 4 give, or all the details are found on John's Twitter feed at 4 for 4 underscore John. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on 4for4.com. It's the most accurate podcast. Take a second and breathe in Sing Here for a reason Raise your hands Take a second and breathe in Sing Somehow it's beautiful